away we go on episode 1019 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there. Make sure, make sure you're make make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app hit follow hit subscribe there and uh we'll keep the good stuff coming for you joined today by our buddy steve bunda how's it going man oh good matt thanks again for having me on i i it's funny because every time i come on the show with you uh, i come through your lobby and all the group of uh matt fans of course are like oh it's this guy again i'm not listening to the podcast so <laughs> yeah it's it looks like a red carpet out there all the photographers and paparazzi and yeah. everything it's, and then they quickly turn around when they see oh it's just it's just this bunda guy <laughs> yeah, get the scrub out of here. But uh, thanks for having me on again, Matt. It's good to have you back in studio, man. And uh, we've been able to do that more and more often. Uh, of course, the last time you were on, uh, I was coming from the lake, so we weren't able to do that in person. But no, uh, yeah, yeah the, the summer's over. We're back to uh, back to reality. What are you sipping on over there? All right. Well, I've got some sweet thumbs. Nice pale ale from your friends at Nita Beer, and it's uh, it's tasty, it's good, and uh, you know, it's Nita is uh, a beer that I've, you know, I haven't had a lot of, mm-hmm. but uh, every time I kind of have one of their pails, it's like, all right, you know what, these guys aren't messing around, so it's very tasty, and I'm enjoying it. What do you got going on? So this one is from, uh, and yeah, just quickly, Nita started to branch out a little bit. For the first couple of years, they kind of stuck close to home, they had, a, you know, five or six different things, and maybe they'd... Uh, uh, you know, try one different one a year. It seems like the last couple of years, Andy's put the pedal down over there and he's trying a couple of things. So, uh, keep an eye out. We will let the good listener know as well. We got the, uh, Nita beer company annual craft beer advent calendar coming, uh, for sale now actually at needabeer.com. But, uh, Andy will be on, we'll be talking about that again. I'm going to have problems with Andy yeah. and you very yeah. soon. What are we talking about advent for when it's horror movie season yeah. and Halloween is barely even here? <laughs> And you know how it is, man. You're trying to get me grumpy and I've only been here for five minutes. It's late August and (laughs) we start seeing Halloween costumes and, uh, yeah, end of September, you start seeing Christmas decorations in the stores. This is no different. You got to get your early, uh, your beer out. So, uh, I am into something I've had a couple times before. This is from the 762 Brewing Company, which is conveniently located at the intersection of Highway 7 and Highway 62 in, uh, Madoc, Ontario, um, which is, uh, yeah, right there on the on the road I take from, uh, from Ottawa down to the cottage several times a year and, uh, actually going to be taking that road again, uh, this weekend with our buddy, Josh, uh, we call him, I guess, Mr. Screeds around here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe we'll throw on a, an Instagram live, do some wrestling trivia or something uh, oh, on the, from the highway. But, uh, yeah, uh, highway, uh, or <laughs> 762 brewing company. This is their nutmeg stout. I've had a couple times and uh, always enjoyable. And I saw it sitting in the fridge. I kind of forgot I had it, so uh, we'll pull that out and see what it's what that's got going on today. That's not that's a nice crack. Can you tell I'm a rookie? Because once again, I opened my beer before I came on the radio. It's all right, man. We had a, a little green room <laughs> session going on. Same thing. Uh, we should let the good listener know, I guess. Same thing that uh, that Chris Hoffley did when he was here last night. Uh, that was episode 1018. If you want to check that out, uh, great talking to, uh, to Hoffley. And if you hit up our, uh, our Twitter right now at tall can audio, we're actually giving away two pairs of tickets to the uh, Ottawa 67s home opener this Sunday. All you got to do is follow us, follow the 67s instructions are all right there, uh, in the tweet up high on our, uh, our Twitter account. And, uh, maybe for you Bunda fans, we'll get him to retweet that as well. And, uh, whatever, but uh, yeah, two tickets to the 67th home opener against Erie on Sunday afternoon. All you got to do is, uh, like I said, give the follows and, uh, and then retweet that and, uh, you'll be entered. We'll draw a winner, actually two winners. We got two pairs, uh, on Saturday at noon. So check that out on our Twitter account at tall can audio. 
Bunda, uh, look, we got a couple things I want to ask you about, a couple things we got to get to, but let's catch up a little bit first. You're doing your thing all over the place at Bell Media downtown here. You're doing the news thing. You're doing the sports thing. But one of the big things they've still got you doing is uh, is covering this Ottawa Red Blacks team, which uh, I took it easy on Hoffley while he was in here because what's he going to say, right? He's the PR guy. He's got to put a little spin on it. <laughs> he gave him the softballs, eh? It's I'm not, yeah, <laughs> and I'm not giving them to you. So uh, it's been an ugly year, man. And that Saturday game was an absolute disaster. Uh, 41 points on turnovers. Uh, were you at that one? And, and what do you make of the season here at this point? Yeah, and I mean, let's start back to when you asked me about my prediction. I think after they won their first game, I said that they're the team that's going to win the East and how quickly they made me eat my words. Yeah, Yeah. I didn't, and I'll own it. Uh, It's been a very – there's no way to really put it other than it's been absolutely disappointing and um, it's frustrating. You know, myself, yes, I was at the game on Saturday and I think the most frustrating part was how it's just an absolute must win for the Ottawa Red Blacks and they came out just flat. And it's been too many times at home now. Uh, they've won one game in three years at home, and oh people are God. bringing up that Edmonton's only won. Uh, they haven't won a single game at home in three years. It's like I don't care about Edmonton. I'm not there. Right. I'm here in Ottawa with, you know, our nation and TD Place and the Glebe. And well, the Glebe hates uh, the Red Blacks, but <laughs> um, everywhere else around Ottawa that are uh, like anyone that's a passionate football fan and Red Blacks fan here in Ottawa is absolutely upset and they have every reason to be and uh I'm not here to point the finger at uh, you know certain aspects of it but I do believe that this team is now at a point where I think they are tuning out the head coach. I don't know if the message is getting across. I'm the sideline reporter. I'm between the benches and seeing the sideline I've been there and I've been around for a couple seasons now uh almost since year 1. Right. It's awkward and it's not okay. It's, it's weird. It's, and I was saying it to the AJ and Jeff on the radio the other day. And it's like, when you see players arguing with each other, when you see players arguing with the coach, Mm -hmm. it's like on the side, like I said, it's just, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's toxic. It's hostile for sure. It's frustrating for the players. Absolutely. And I, meanwhile, have to have an interview with the head coach at (laughs) halftime. And it's like how, since Paul Lapolis has been here, I haven't seen a win. I, I didn't work the one win they had last season against Edmonton oh, no. here. I know. It's the one game I miss. <laughs> and it's, well, I missed one again this year against Montreal, which was a very close one down to the wire. Uh, but at the same time, they ended up losing. And it's like, I I have the, it's like, I don't want to have to ask the same negative questions. And it's unfortunate. And like I said, I do feel for the fans because it's somewhere where everyone loves going to Red Blacks yep. games. And everyone loves going out before or after. You know, you maybe you bring your family, you go with a couple buddies, you go with the girlfriend. It's just, you know, whatever your demographic sure. is, you love the game. It's just a great spot to be. And it's fun. Like it's loud. You can just get up and walk around. If you don't even care about football, you can mm. just go have a beer and just, it's in the back and hey, let's have some fun. And it's like, it hasn't been fun. And even the casual fans, I had fe- I had people that uh, I know they don't care one bit about football, but you know, their dad's got tickets. So she went along and she was just like, yeah, I'm here with my friend. And it's like, yeah, I now see why these tickets were free. Right. And it's like, okay. And she was just there to have a good time. And she's like, well, the food was great, but it's like, man, it's it, it just, it's frustrating. It sucks. And, you know, I know you're a fan of the CFL and how, yeah, you know, you watch these games. I, I I don't know how big a Reblax fan you are, but I do know you care. Like, is it not just in terrible? I don't want to say terrible taste, but 
Um, I am shocked that they have not yet fired Paul Apolis, to be honest. I think that's coming next week. I, and I, I sat here with Rob on Sunday afternoon, the day after that Saturday game, and we kind of kicked it back and forth. Would you just wait now? Because the season's lost. Would you just wait till the off season, mm-hmm. Or would you feed you know, the angry mob at the gate? Would you throw them something and, and fire the coach mid-season? And I wasn't really sure. And then I, you know, we went through Sunday and Monday and nothing happened. And then you look at the the schedule. It's a short week and they're going out to BC. There was no way they were going to fire Lapo this week. And it sucks. I know you know as well as I do. Lapo's a good guy. Like he's, he's a nice no guy. No issues with the guy. Is- uh, on a personal front, like there's, yeah. there's nothing bad you can say about Paul Lapolese. But the team is bad and he's at the helm again. And it, it's a little unfair because he's doing it without his quarterback, right? Masoli. Uh, was supposed to be the difference maker this year. We can debate all day on how big of a difference maker he was going to be, but he is the starting quarterback and he's been gone since mm-hmm. game three. I think this is it. I think he's going to get the BC game because it was a short week because they're going all the way out West there. I have a feeling next week, you know, we see whether, you know, win or lose, I, I think we're probably done. And uh, I am a Red Blacks fan I, and it's a fair uh fair thing to question. I, I grew up in the GTA, so I'm a Leaf guy. I'm a Blue Jays guy. I was an Argo guy. It was reasonable to think I might not be a Red Blacks fan, but I was waiting for you to pull out. I'm a Tiger Cats fan, actually. Oof. You know, it's going to be like, all right, no, guy. No way. No <laughs> shot. Um, but when I got here, I moved up here in, in 2012 and they were getting excited. They had been awarded the franchise. And I, th- I think it was 2014, wasn't it? I think that the team. 2013 and then 2014 was the first official season. 2013, okay. they had the uh, 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 Marcel Desjardins, he yes, came okay. in, hired Rick Campbell. And that was the, I think 2012, 2013 was, like you said, that area. Yeah. So for me, it was like, this is fun. The city's getting excited. It's new. Um, there's no, it's it's different than being a Leaf fan and moving up here and deciding here to be a Sens fan, right? That is a, that is a rivalry. There is, uh, you know, there's, there's venom there. There's vitriol there. Mm-hmm. This seemed like I'd like to be a part of this, right? I, this is going to be fun um, to see how this builds. And and they did a great job. You referenced the vibe down at the stadium. It's a blast. Mm-hmm. But you have to give people wins at some point. The fans have done their part. They've showed up. And uh, and yeah, whether you're going down there because you're a hardcore football fan or just because it's a fun place to have a couple beers on a Friday night, uh, you got to give them something. You got to, mm-hmm. at some point, you got to win. And I guess at this point, I, I, I just sort of think you need to do something now to show the fans that you hear them, right? We, we know you're pissed. Uh, we know this hasn't been good enough. And I don't think it's unfair completely. Like I said, I, I do give them some, some flack for the, or some slack, excuse me. That's very different, uh, for the fact that Masoli hasn't been around, but Sean Burke went out and vastly improved this team in the off season and handed Lapalise a better squad and he didn't do anything with it, right? We're right where we were. So I, I have a feeling he's not going to make it out of the season and I have a feeling it comes after that BC game. Yeah. And I think there's so many aspects to look at it. And like, I, I'm with you. I have zero beef with Paul. I have no issues with Paul Lapalise as a person, but I, I, I can just see a sense that there's something not right yeah. with this team. And yeah. the, like you said, the talent is absolutely there. You go back to last year, you can argue there wasn't much, there was not much excitement there other than Devontae Dedman. Well, at the end of the third quarter... Um, Ackland, he was the number one receiver in the CFL. He'd been targeted twice and had four yards. That's not, that's terrible play calling for your, your game breaker. Absolutely. And, and you want to talk about game breaker, uh, 
they brought back Devontae Dedman uh, from the Miami yes. Dolphins, yeah. who, like I said, the one bright spot last year really was yep. him. Love that guy. The guy. And you know what teams are doing now? Yeah, they're not it's kicking not them, the ball. Give them the ball. They're not. <laughs> it's like he could take a, a ball off the ground that's bouncing, and he could make it a 25 yard. It's like he could, anytime he has the ball in his hand, he can break it. And it's something where I get why they're not kicking to him. I don't like it. I don't, I think it's, it is in poor taste of the game as you have one of the most electrifying players when he catches the ball off of a kickoff, a punt. I got no, no beef with it, honestly. I'm not going to help you, right, by giving your best player the ball. It's, it's, it's not strategy. about that. It, I wouldn't say it's strategy, though, in a sense, Bo, Matt. It, yeah. it, for me, I, and look, I 100%, you don't want to lose a game and you don't want to give the Red Blacks a chance to, to have any kind of momentum swing or whatever. But at the same time, it does get a little old when you're constantly kicking the ball away from them or you're fielding punts off of the ground or out of bounds. It gets to a point where it's comical when they kick the ball, you know, 15, 20, times a game and none of them are going to the kick returner. I get it. Like you don't want it to, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? If you're really that afraid of them, defend them be better on special teams. Well, like I, the Yankees are, this is similar but different. Like the Yankees are in town playing the Blue Jays this week and on Tuesday night, the Blue Jays walked him four times. Yeah. Is that is that the same thing? Is that shitty to the game? Should they? Do you have to pitch to them, or do you just strategize and go? No, you're not going to beat us. You won't be the guy who gets to beat us. Uh, yes and no. I, I do partly want to see you pitch to them, but I also understand. Okay, you're in a somewhat of a tight race for a playoff yeah. spot, so sure. But then I also go back at Aaron Judge for I believe he's sitting out against Mitch White pitching. I, I think he's going to DH. I think he's that sounds okay. like he is going to play. You're right. Earlier in the day, it sounded like he wasn't going to play. Um, so because they clinched last night, so mm-hmm. uh, the division. But uh, yeah, it sounds like he will DH. But yeah. I just wonder. Like to me, I'm not obligated to help you by la- allowing your best player to beat me, right? I, I don't. Yeah, know. but I guess you could say the same thing in hockey. Is like, all right, if the other team's always going to score, I'm just going to constantly just ice the puck every time I get it. And hey, you can't score against me when I'm up one nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot of ways you could just avoid having yeah. you know certain things. And I kind of look at it as it's like. They're afraid, and I get it. He's like I said, electrifying. He's yeah, good. He should be. I, I just it, it gets old when it's happened it every single game. And for me, I'm not a huge Red Blacks fan. I, I just cover the team. I'm here to watch, and and I feel like Devonte Dedman is a marketable player yeah. for the CFL. You know, much like Jeremiah Masoli was, and mm-hmm. meanwhile he's out and he's injured for this Auto Red Blacks team. And Garrett Mourinho is finally out of the uh, CFL. Oh, finally, but like it, it's you get to a spot where it's like, come on, man! Like I, it, I don't want to see an electrifying player constantly not used, and that's where I then turn it into, well, Paul Lapolis, he's the head coach, he's this creative offensive guru. You have a, now a weapon that's been added to your offense the last couple of weeks. Right. How are you going to use this guy? Well, you don't. You use him like two or three plays in a, on offense when he's been around the CFL for a couple of years, so he's not absolutely new to this offense. No. He knows Paul Lapoli, so why don't you use him? Yeah, you know, find every a couple, way to get him involved. Yeah, yeah, get the ball in his hands. He's the most electrifying player you have. Like you said, Jalen Acklin, number one receiver in the CFL, and I believe in the first game, a couple of weeks ago before the bye week against the Argos, same thing. I think he saw one ball in the first half. You, Terrible. You're going into the third quarter. Like you said, not many targets. It's like how... 
is this happening? Find ways. The offensive creativity he had in Winnipeg hasn't been here no, in Ottawa, no. and it's frustrating for fans because he was brought in as this lauded coach that is so great offensively. And like you said, sure, Jeremiah Masoli is injured. Well, and you can tell he's the one who pushed for Matt Nichols to when he was clearly spent. Like yeah. there's some strikes against him at this uh, point. Right? You, you get to a point where yeah, and it's like all right, clearly your message isn't getting across to the right. players because one, you haven't won many games since you've been here. You could blame the lack of talent last year. You don't have a lack of talent this nope. year. You have a great defense this year. That's kept you in so many winnable ball games, but you can't muster up enough of a drive or a score or any offense to just get you a couple points, and it's frustrating, and that's where it comes down to me thinking, like I said, I don't know if they've tuned them out completely, but I just I get the vibe that the players aren't picking up what Paul Lapolis is putting down. I'm not liking a lot of what I see from Paul Lapolis in terms of the creativity and offense and how you can utilize guys like Caleb Evans, who's absolutely gifted athletically, well, how can we tailor a couple of offensive drives around him? Yeah. Um, like I said, how can we tailor a few offensive drives around Devontae Dedman? We've saw him last year be used as a running back. We saw him used as a receiver, but why aren't we using him in more of these screen plays? Why aren't we using him in like instead we'll here here we'll use him in a sweep play, see if he gets any play, and then we'll take him out for another, you know, 30 plays and use him in the fourth quarter, maybe a try again. It's just I feel like there's so many more things that could have been done this year, and there could have been so much more positivity and it kind of feels like every time you want to get your hopes up, I believe they should have fired him heading into the bye week before they played Toronto, after they lost that Toronto home game. And it's like, okay, they kept them around. Well, you had two bye weeks where the the next week you were at home and both yeah. times you got pumped. Exactly. How does that happen? Yeah. I, and and I feel like they're, if they, you do believe you might have a head coach on on your staff currently, whether it's Mike Benavides who runs the defense or Bob Dice, Bob who's Dice, special yeah. teams coordinator, but he's been around auto and lovable. All the players love him. Everyone yeah. talks like that's one thing I've noticed. He's been here forever, but he's always been a coach, a, a coach and a player's guy. And you go back, he had a time in Saskatchewan where he was an interim head coach. Why not just give him a chance for your final remaining uh, like four or five games? Yeah. Give him a chance to see what he's got. And if he can rally the team, get a win or two. They've got two home games left. And it's like, get a you, win. The weather's <laughs> getting crummy. Yeah. Do you, you know, you need, you're, you're going to have more people looking for excuses to not go to games yeah. than give, and I'm not saying that Bob Dice is going to sell tickets, sure. but at the same time, it, like you said, and you're to your point, you're going to give the fans, well, you know what? Finally, someone's listening to us. Yep. And thank you for doing this because now there is some optimism, whether he is an interim or he, you make him the head coach next year. You have a couple games left to sell. Give the fans something just a little bit more exciting, a little bit more to look forward to next year. And I, like I said, I personally don't have anything against Paul Lapolis, no, but no, I no. just, I think it's time for a change and that's it. Well, and I, I think it's, that brings us full circle, right? If you're going to allow him to do that, a guy, whether it be Benavides or, uh, yeah. or Bob Dice, you're not going to fire Lapo on Monday, put everybody on a plane out to Vancouver and go, here you go on Friday night or whatever. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't want to put them in that bad situation either, right? So mm-hmm. you wait until this week is over and then. I do think you're probably going to uh, to see it at that point, but uh, it has definitely been a bit of a horror show around the Red Blacks, and you are in full horror show mood at this point, in <laughs> full horror show mode. Um, this is a thing that happens on your Twitter around this time of year, every year. You start, I don't know, what, 40, 50 days of of All horror. depends how I'm feeling, man. Yeah. I don't have a set date. I just, uh, you know what, if I have a night where I'm just chilling and it's like, you know what? I'm feeling the vibes. And it's like, uh, I think I started last, uh, 
Last Sunday, one of the last, yeah. yeah, it's been about a week and a half now, maybe. I don't so know. So like five, six weeks out from Halloween, yep. you just start jumping in on all the different horror movies. Has this always been something you've done and have you always live tweeted it for everybody? There is a thread on your, uh, on your Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> when did this start, man? What's, what's happening? What's your thing with, uh, with horror movies? I've always been a huge horror movie guy. Yeah. I, I love, uh, just sitting down, spice rum and Coke. Nice. Um, maybe it's beer. Sure. Who knows what, however I'm feeling. Maybe yeah. it's a twist of tea. Who knows? That a boy. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll, um, I just, I don't know. I don't know where. Where it started, I just, I was talking to Creech, I think, I believe back in the day about it. It's been about five or six years now or mm-hmm. so that I've been doing this where I just, I'll put the thread of horror movies I've watched, um, whether it's, you know, from the silliest horror movies you could think of, whether it, I've included one year Zombieland, which I will confirm is not a horror movie, um, <laughs> but uh, I'll include movies like that. I'll include um, a lot of classics. I'll I'll go new. A lot of them I've watched every single you know <laughs> Halloween season. So yes, it's the original Friday the Thirteenth, and then yes, I'll watch the the remake of it in two thousand nine right after just to watch it. Right. Um, but I just always loved Halloween. I love this fall. Um, I, I love the idea of dressing up and being goofy and silly and having fun. <laughs> I like the idea of freaking people out. I kind of, uh, I just enjoy the whole time and horror movies have just been one of my favorite things because, um, it's kind of like if you do find one that scares you, it freaks you out a bit. And I like that kind of feeling. So I have no issues with it. And like, I'll go, I'll turn off all the lights, Matt, I'll watch it on my own. I live in my basement apartment, <laughs> hanging out in the Glebe and it's like, all right. Let's go. Let's see how much I could freak myself out. But then I also just love that sometimes there'll be a great storyline. Sometimes it'll be gory. Sometimes it'll be absolutely terrible. And sometimes just, you know what? Hey, it's not a bad movie. Is there like, when you get down to the final couple days before Halloween, do you have it like mapped out or do you have like one, I know I'm going to watch this one on actual Halloween or anything like that? Or is it just whatever kind of comes to yeah. you? Yeah. So my all time favorite horror movie would be the original Halloween, Michael right. Myers, very underrated dude, uh, <laughs> misunderstood in the ways as I joke, but, uh, it's, it's it, my all time favorite. Just, it helped me. I wouldn't say it's the first one I ever saw or fell in love with, but it's just such a classic that I, I just enjoy it so much. And I usually care to watch Halloween one and two, mm-hmm. um, with Jamie Lee Curtis as a, just nice. a young lady. Yes. yes. The movie came out in 1978. I don't care how terribly, uh, uh productive it is or anything <laughs> like that. I just want to watch it and I love it. And it just, um, one of my favorites. So I'll always watch that on Halloween day. That's usually my, my go to, mm-hmm. um, other than that, I don't really have a huge, like, and now especially this year, because the one thing that if anyone that has watched these Halloween movies knows, there's about 97 of them. Right. And there's about six different trees, and I think four of them involve Jamie Lee Curtis, but uh, they- I re- got time for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so they recently, uh, I believe it was just before the pandemic, hmm. um, opened up a new three movie series hmm. with Jamie Lee Curtis, with the Halloweens, and- it pretty much picks up off of the first movie, which from 1978 wow. so to 30, 40 years later. Yeah. <laughs> which is super cool. I love it. And so the first movie was good. Second was, eh, and now the final one, Halloween ends is, uh, October 15th. It's coming out. Not okay. that I have it marked on my calendar, but I'm definitely <laughs> watching it. So I'll, uh, I'll be sure to watch that. Um, I, I like a good couple of sinisters are good. Dark skies. I'll try and go in an order. So I'll watch uh, dark skies is an alien movie. I'll watch signs before it. 
Right. You okay. Know? Yeah. I'll kind of mix the two alien movies. Um, if I if I do watch zombies movies, I'll maybe put in Twenty Eight Days Later and uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. You know, kind of stuff like that. But I'll. What about Saw? Were you a Saw guy in any of those? Yes. I don't know if they count as a horror or more of a psychological kind of thing. I, yeah. See, and that's where, like I said, the, the, the one thing I love so much about horror movies is because they are kind of in a way open to interpretation. Some of them are, okay, is this really horror or is this just gore? Right. Or is this a, a crazy storyline that makes you jump a couple times? Yeah. And, um, saw I, I'm, I'm very in the middle about cause I don't love them, but I also like the storyline, I think more than I like the movies. And I think sometimes it's pretty cool to, to watch them. And yeah. I, that's actually one that I was, I was debating on kind of reopening as the series of saw. Mm. So last year I actually, I believe I watched every single Halloween movie ever made. Oh, so, which, yeah, like I, I think I put into like 30 of them or however many, I don't know how many they are. Like I said, I wish I did, but, um, I made sure I watched all those. Uh, sometimes I'll do all the Friday and the 13th. It's been a couple of years since I've done that, but I'll usually just watch one and, uh, the remake sometimes, but, uh, this year, um, so far I don't really have a huge plan, yeah. uh, about much. I've already, I think I've started a little bit earlier than I normally do, to be honest. If I, I like it's, I don't normally start this early into September, but I don't care. I'm down to start this early. <laughs> um, but you know what? I was debating on if I should go through all the saws. Um, Chris Rock was in one recently called Jigsaw, which was based off of the Saw series. Which, okay. See, I, I, that's what I mean. I like that kind of how they can tie it over. Yeah. Sometimes the movies are absolutely terrible and sometimes it's, <laughs> you know what, it's not bad. And I, I, I give credit and respect to a, a good storyline sometimes yeah. more than I do the, the movie itself. When I was a kid, I, I, I have no problem admitting I was a total, um, you know, I, total loser when it came to the, like scared out of my mind. About <laughs> the chicken. Any, yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, whatever chicken. you want to call it. I, I, I had a better term and it, it escaped me. Uh, but yeah, I was scared to death of, of those sorts of movies. And so I never got into it. And then as a teenager and into your twenties or whatever, it just was never really on my radar and I never got back into it. There was two years or maybe around 2010, 2011, I have a cousin who's quite a bit younger than me, but got big into these movies. So at Halloween we went and I can't even remember what they were called, but they were, Thrillers like that, right? Where uh, you, to me, gore for the sake of, of gore does nothing for me. But if you can tie in a good, like mystery, the gore doesn't bug me. But like, yeah. there's got to be a hook, right? And or something like that in in the story. Whereas just people walking around hacking each other, yeah, it just doesn't do much for me, right? And, yeah, that and and I'm still, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like forget movies. I'm jumpy. Like if I'm sitting at the cottage, just like with my back, somebody and somebody comes up and goes, Hey, and I'm not expecting, but Jesus Christ. So, oh, you're ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like exactly. So to sit and watch a movie where it's yeah. kind of quiet and something that, and the whole point is to start you like, no, fuck off. I don't need that in my life right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. Like there are some horror movies that are just purely, um, nudity and silliness and terrible acting. Yep. And it's like, I don't like those. Okay. Um, but my, one of my first movies that actually freaked me out as a horror movie was, I was trying to remember it was Scream. When yeah, okay, I, yeah. I saw it, and it was I did like, see Scream. I do remember that. Yeah, and I was really young, and I saw that movie, and it's like the opening scene, and Drew Barrymore is getting yep. butchered, and it's like, what the heck is going on? I'm I'm so young. I'm like, this is scarred me for life. I remember watching a couple uh, years later, and it's like, this is the one that really freaked me out. Come on, and, right. but it's like, and now actually, Scream is one of my favorite series. Although the more uh, recent one that I think came out this year, I can't remember if it was this past January or if it was last year at some point, but the more recent one, uh, like they've always done a great job of keeping the same cast together, the main kind of group of people. Yeah. But the one through four, I love them. Okay. The new one, eh. <laughs> but those four, I'll usually always make sure I watch as well because I kind of looked at, like I said, I got my classics that I make sure I always watch, but uh, Screams are absolutely part of that, one through four. 
Uh, I don't know. Do does I know what you did last summer count? I remember seeing that as a teenager on a couple of dates. There's a couple of those. I accept I, it because yeah. it does kind of you know, and why I love it so much too is well, '90s kids, right? Yep. Growing up, of and course. it's kind of right when we were just. That's when the. Um, I can't remember the actors and actresses. Freddie Prince Jr. Yep. Um, I can't remember the girl that's in it. No, me neither. But oh, I man. know I've seen them. But yeah, they were like the hot young yes. and everyone loved them. And it was, it like, was like 90210, but scary. Yeah. Is basically what these yeah. movies were. <laughs> that early 2000s kind of silly, like, yeah. like you know, whatever. And it was a, it turned into a horror movie, which, you know, it was, I don't know if it, you really want to call it a true horror movie, no, but yeah. I do think it's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. See, I'm not very judgy. If you want to watch yeah. a horror movie, I'm down. If you want to watch a somewhat horror movie, good for you. Right. I'm not here to be pushy. I'm not here to call pe- people babies or <laughs> you know chickens or losers or anything like that. You, Wimp, yeah. That yeah. was the term. I was you don't want to watch it, good yeah. for you. That's all right. But if you want to watch it or you need some suggestions, hit me up. That's why I do the thread is people will usually comment or they'll drop yeah. one in or they'll chirp me about what I'm watching. It's like, <laughs> you know what? It's all good. I like it, but no, I've, uh, I've we'll hit the I'm, handle again, right? Is it is Steve or Steven Bunda? Yeah. 91? Steve Bunda 91. All right. And, uh, we'll, we'll have that in the show notes because the thread continues. We got a full month here to, uh, before we get to, to Halloween. My speed is kind of like, like scary movie. That's about where I'm at. Cause mainly just cause I have a lot of time for Anna Ferris. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you brought that up one. And it's like I said, that's uh, I know it, it's not and, a horror, but it's no, but it actually does spoof, make you chuckle. Right? I've actually yeah. always liked those scary because I feel like if you could have a funny spinoff spoof movie yeah. like that, I, I'll always have time for them because it actually makes me chuckle because not that I, I'm like diehard and I'll defend and I'll <laughs> fight anybody that chirps horror movies, but I do like the ideas of you can make fun of you them. You can poke fun at I anything, can make, right? I can make fun of myself. I can sure. make fun of you. I'd yeah. rather make fun of myself. <laughs> so I can make fun of horror movies. And so scary movie, I got time for it. And I won't take your girl Anna Ferris from you, but she no. is not too bad to look at. No, she is not. Uh, speaking of scary movie and scary things to come, uh, the listener will have already seen how this went, but... Uh, uh, we are on the verge of per- the perhaps scary Matt Murray era with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs as uh, on Wednesday night, the Leafs will play the Habs in Matt Murray's first preseason start as a Leaf. You had a lot of time to see him here in Ottawa over the last couple of years covering the the Senators. Um, look, we have no idea. It's just a preseason game. Maybe he got a shutout. Maybe he got pumped for five or six. We have no idea as you and I sit here right now. So the good listener will be able to point and laugh at us if they wish to do so. But in a bigger <laughs> sense... You know, what do you think the odds are that Matt Murray can be successful in Toronto? Because it sort of feels like as much as performance, health is going to be the big thing. And can they keep him healthy? I don't think they need him to be a 918, like top of the league goalie. I think they need him to be like a, I don't know, a competent 907, 908 uh, league average guy. Last year, the Leafs had sub 900 goaltending for huge parts of the year and still had a well above 500 record. Um, what do you think of uh, of Matt Murray in Toronto as he uh, begins his voyage with the Leafs tonight? Yeah, well, for me personally, uh, I need to see a lot more than I saw in Ottawa. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I need to see a guy that isn't at fault uh, for losses. That's, I think, the big thing that Sens fans uh, had against him is how often – he would either give up a quick goal, how often he would not play so well, or meanwhile, the game's tight and you lose by a goal and it comes back to, well, if Matt Murray was more sharp and that's where... Wait, wait under his arm or something stupid yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't, you don't have to steal it, but quit costing us games. Is that kind of the... Yeah, yeah. and, and that, you know, we, you know, we joke about how things are in Ottawa, 
we all know the 416 is a lot wilder and drawn. Like <laughs> the fans are a lot more intense and they're going to be media, a lot more critical. A like, lot of attention. Yeah. So I think for him, stage. he's going to need a lot of help. And I'm not so sure that this Toronto Maple Leafs team is any better than it was last year. No, and they're fair. already dealing with the loss of uh, John Tavares for the next couple of weeks. Muzzin's been out, Liljegren's been out. Yeah. It's thin already. <laughs> it's Yeah, and you're getting there. And I'm the guy that when I think you had me on towards the end of the season or if it was after the season where the Leafs uh, lost in the playoffs. And yeah. it's like, you know what, I absolutely think they need to uh, make a change. And whether it's Sheldon Keefe, whether it was trade Mitch Marner, Nylander. Oh, I forgot I, you were yeah, throwing that down. I, I'm, yeah. I'm the kind of guy that, you know what? Sick like Marner's dad on us. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to be that guy until yeah. this team can get over the hump. And it's a team that has so much skill, so good during the regular season, but they can't get past the first round. And I don't mean that to poke jokes. Like I guess I grew up a diehard Leaf fan. I don't, I'm not a big Leaf fan anymore, but yeah. I want to see them do well. Like right. I've been covering the Ottawa Senators for the last 11 years or so. And it's like, let's, let's just get a team where I want the Battle of Ontario to come yeah. back. I want it to yeah. mean something. I don't want it to be, and it, it hasn't meant anything because. One of the uh, one of the two teams has either been one has the, been terrible, yeah. all the time since yeah. 04. And you know, Ottawa's a team it's that got yeah. Ottawa's <laughs> a team that's on the you know the arrows pointing up. They yep. added yeah. some core veterans. They've uh, you know some of their prospects are taking that next step. And it's like, all right, let's see what you got. Whereas you look at the Leafs, and it's like, okay, what did they really do this offseason to make themselves better? Okay, well they added Matt Murray, who uh, my yeah. biggest beef with Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe, uh, Jake Muzzin. Um, Jack Campbell, Matt Murray is all these guys are tied to the Sioux Greyhounds in yes. this whole imaginary. <laughs> they're going to help us win. We trust them. And uh, there's more on the team, I believe, but it just, it kind of gets, it's like, it's kind of silly. And it's like, I want to see this team get better. Can they be better? I, this, this is a team that can win you know, their division yep. because they just have that much talent, but I want to see them win and I want to see them win when it matters. And I want to see a, a fresh battle of Ontario where both these teams are in a playoff spot or one's fighting for it. It's like you're playing spoiler. I want to see um, a fun but also a more aggressive team. I believe I, I saw, I think it was uh, Darren Dreger who posted the tweet, but how Sheldon Keefe is stopping practice and yep. making the team do sprints because they're not being physical enough. It's like Sheldon Keefe, if you watch his team for the last four years, like they haven't been physical. And you're going to – like it's all right, like – Good, you got to motivate them, but you're doing it in training camp, and I'm not here to call the least complete divas, but this is a team filled with skilled players, and you're going to be bag skating them now because they're not being physical. It's like wherever you've been the last couple of years, one for sure they are not physical enough, but you're going to pull that card out now when you know I think he has the odds on favor to be the first coach fired in the NHL right now. That's weird to me because I, honestly, I thought there was a really reasonable chance he might be fired after the playoffs. Same they lost in the first. When you didn't do it, I think Dubas is riding his guy for at least one more year. I, and honestly, if we, mm-hmm. if we want to get into this, and, and we're going to talk about coaches here in a second in a completely different way, <laughs> um, I think there's more pressure right now on DJ Smith. The Sens cannot sure. get off to another bad start after the huge offseason that Pierre Dorian had, the pieces that he brought in into Ottawa. Um, he had a great summer, and the fan base is excited. And even in the last couple of years, when the Sens weren't necessarily expected to be playoff teams, they've been dead and buried and laying on the side of the road by November 15th, right? It has been a disaster mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how they've started. And um, and actually, Rob and I had a bet going, or a, at least a debate. We didn't really put much on it. But 
he asked this around last February or March. He goes, who's getting fired first? Will it be Keefe or DJ <laughs> Smith? And of course, it's exactly what we were just talking about. If the Leafs don't get through round one, Sheldon Keefe's probably going to be fired. And if he's not, the pressure shifts to DJ Smith down the highway because he's got to get off to a good start. And that was long before they went out and added all these pieces. So I, I kind of disagree with the idea that Keefe is on the hot seat now. I think he was, and I think he will be again if they don't win in the first round. But I think the Leafs have made their decision that they're running this back one more time. And mm-hmm. we can criticize them and if you want. Like if, if people don't like that, I, I think that's a reasonable opinion. But I, I don't see any scenario where Kyle Dubas is going to can him in December or whatever. I, I just don't. The o- yeah, the only way it would be is if Matt Murray's at an absolute dumpster fire, you know, Mitch Marner. But that's Dubas' fault, Matt. not Keefe's fault. Oh, but that, but you can use it as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the you bullet. You, that's the card you get yeah, to play. Yeah. Like, I, I believe that Dubas is more safe than Keefe in a sense. But for now, yeah. Yeah, they're both in a spot where whatever. And hey, I'm not the one that said that he should be fired right away. Right. But I, um, I, no. I, I saw the odds on one of the betting. I don't yes, know. They're no. everywhere now. But yeah. he had the ho- the best odds or the be- I don't know how. Most likely to be fired. Yeah. First or whatever, yeah, yeah, so which it, it did kind of surprise me, but it's like if your team gets off to a bad start or yeah. they're not very good, and and like you said, I I'm a hundred percent with you with DJ Smith. This is a big make or break year for him because now you've added a lot of depth and you've added some big time players, you've added yep. some veterans, and a lot of your guys are taking that next step. You've paid them all. Now it's time to win. Time like to they've done so much off the ice this past off season and last year. Signing these guys to eight and seven year contracts like Brady Kachuk, Drake Batherson, and now here comes Josh Norris. Here Jimmy comes Stu- Tim Stutzler. Like yep. here you go, you bring in Claude Giroux, which is like the first like Ottawa born star, star to come back home. to home. Like you know how John Tavares, right? All the Leafs, like yep. Larry Lindros. You go over the years, like yep. all these <laughs> all, yeah. like, these uh, GTA players that come Thornton coming yeah, back. <laughs> how big it is to them and how much it matters to them. It's like finally Ottawa has that guy, and that's Claude Giroux. And it's yep. like all right, now you're going to help lead this team. They go and they bring in. Alex to bring it. It's like, oh man, like you've now added a solid second line yep. here. You have two heavy team, like two lines. You have um, maybe a questionable, uh, you know, defensive core, but yep. you have some promise there with Jake Sanderson, who's yep. probably going to start in your top four. Uh, Cam Talbot was brought in, and I like the Tyler Mott signing the other day. That wasn't too bad either. A couple yeah. weeks ago, yeah. to fill in on that third line. Like he's got pieces there, and I don't think the Senators. I, I know Sens fans want them to, obviously, but I don't think the Sens have to make the playoffs this year for this to be a successful year. But you do have to turn the corner. You have to get off to a good start. You have to show you're going to be competitive, and that's going to land right in DJ Smith's lap. Yeah, you need to be in that position where you're you're not out of the playoffs come trade deadline, I think, is where you need to be. Is yeah. you, you need to be a team that's either buying a small piece to see if yep. you can maybe push this team to get that playoff experience or you need to be in the playoffs, I believe, because yeah. I don't think you can be eight, can't be six points yet, out of the no. playoffs and thinking you're in it, but really you're not. You can't, like you said, get off to a start where in November you're already out of the playoffs. It's no. it just, you can't do that. And there's a lot there. And is DJ Smith the guy? We're, we're about to find out because now he's got the guys and they've added, and a lot of these guys are taking that next step, which is the biggest thing. And, you know, as a Leaf fan going through the rebuild, you've seen it all, like <laughs> how the pressure gets there and how these guys become stars in the league. Like this is going to be a big year for Josh Norris. Can he get 30 goals, right? Can he get to 40 goals? Tim Stutzla, now you're going to be the second line center uh, and you're going to be there with Claude Giroux and Alex Brinkett. Can you put up a big year? You, you have an eight-year contract. Point yeah. of game guy. Yeah. Brady Kachuk, yeah. like, can you get these guys moving? You're the captain now. You have your seven-year contract. You're yeah. into it. Like, 
where are you at right now? And then, like I said, you got Thomas Shabbat, who's been here for a little while. You know, can you get Jake Sanderson enough ice time to take him off so he's not playing 30 minutes a game like we've seen Thomas Shabbat get ridden a couple times? <laughs> yes. like, there's a lot that is at stake here. Cam Talbot, like he's been brought in to be the goalie. That's the only thing Pierre did this summer that I don't like. I thought that was unnecessary. I thought Gustafsson was kind of trending up. I think Talbot's sort of starting to trend down. I, I don't know that I would have done that. Yeah. I, I think Forsberg's going to be fine. He'll be the number one guy, I I believe, by the time you know, this all gets sorted out, but I didn't really feel like the Talbot move was necessary. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there was a little bit more confidence in him than Matt Murray in that spot. And I don't oh, know, sure. I don't know if you can rely on Anton Forsberg as a number one without a backup option. And then, Hey, I it, still would have moved Murray, but I would have maybe let yeah. Gustafson and Forsberg be my tandem as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Talbot. But yeah, sure. And in Matt Sogard's another guy that they're really high on a big, big seven, six foot seven goaltender yeah, that fuck. they have uh, a lot of hype with. And it's like, you want to give him more reps and they have a, they have a lot of these prospects that are kind of now like taking that next step and molding into, all right, now you're not just a prospect anymore. Now you're expected to lead this team into that next stage. And right. that's where, like I said, you know, as a Leaf fan, you saw that the Leafs made the playoffs that first year with the rookies of Marner and Matthews yep. and Nylander was, and yeah, and Connor Brown and they were a young, fun. young squad with, I, I think Tyler Bozak was on the yep. JVR, but they made the playoffs against yeah. that Washington Capitals team. Yep. But then it's like, all right, so we heard, well, they just need to make the playoffs and it's good because they made it because it's good for experience. Yep. It hasn't panned out to be that great. I, I didn't even need to ask the question, but it's like, that's my point is now it's like, all right, for this Ottawa Senators team, this is your team right now. And it's like I said, I'm, the Leafs are still facing question marks and we're what, six years down the road, five years. It's like, yep. we're getting to a point Nothing's now. guaranteed to you. No. It's... And now we're sitting here and it's like, I'm sure you're excited for the team, but what do you care about most this year? Them winning past the first round. Yeah. You don't care about how That's great they are in the regular last season. Year. Just, <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch all year, all these things, but the, nobody gets to be vindicated. Nobody gets any questions answered until April. And that's just the world that the Leafs are in right now. Mm-hmm. The Sens will be more interesting because we'll get to see right away, is this team turned to the corner? Is it going to be better? And so a couple interesting storylines to follow through the, uh, the Battle of Ontario. Uh, before we move into one of the weirder topics we've ever covered on, uh, on Tall Can Audio. Uh, had to take a little break, grab another pint or two. And uh, so I'm moving into something from Dominion City that actually you brought for me because you remain uh, bad at following instructions and uh, you continue to bring beer here when you're supposed to come here and, and take beer, not bring beer. Uh, but uh, so I appreciate that. This is from Dominion City. This is the Civic Pilsner. I don't know if I've ever had this one before. I like a lot of uh, Dominion City's uh, stuff, but I don't know that I've ever had their Pilsner. So I'm intrigued to see what that's all about. What do you grab out of there? I know it's something fascinating. Yes. Uh, it was kind of eyeing me up one because it has a green can and I'm, it's my favorite color, but it's called a key lime with lactose, fickle mistress, dry hop, sour. Fickle uh, mistress. Yeah. Last from, thing anybody uh, needs. block brewing. Okay. So you know what? I'm not a big sour guy and I'm, I'm not even a big key lime guy. <laughs> But you know what? Let's give her a shot. I'm yeah. sure I'll enjoy it. I usually go with IPAs and it's like, let's get weird and let's get different, Matt. Let's try it out. So, Have you ever heard of I, I'm not familiar with the Block Brewing Company. I, I don't think. I've that. never heard of or seen this uh, beer company before, this beer before. Yeah. Um, it's located in Jake St. Jacob's, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. So. Right on, down in Amish country or Mennonite country. Or Sorry, it's called Block 3. Block oh, 3, it okay. says. I didn't uh, realize the three was there. Uh, man, it's a weird list. 
that got dropped earlier today and uh, started making its way around hockey Twitter. Maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember for sure. Uh, the most attractive coaches in the NHL ranked from 1 to 32. And uh, I don't know, a lot of NHL coaches are former players who are missing teeth and have some scars and wrinkles. This was a weird list. I actually didn't even get, I don't remember like who put this together, like why this is a thing. Like I don't believe this is a TSN initiative. Um, <laughs> I can confirm it was not. It was not a TSN initiative. But there was some surprising results, man. And uh, you and I, I don't know if we're the most qualified to sit here and, and talk about attractive men, but I don't know. We'll take a shot at it, I guess. I'll start at the bottom because it just seems mean. There's always going to be a last place guy. I, I don't think I would have expected that Peter Laviolette was the least attractive coach in the National Hockey League. That surprised me. Yeah. I, when I first saw this list, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. But then I literally saw that they have most handsome NHL coaches. Yes. Name, ranking, team, age, and score. So not only did they like literally just say, well, this, they took it pretty seriously. And uh, I don't want to say it was a landslide, but they gave Peter Laviolette, like you said, uh, head coach of the Washington Capitals, yeah. last place, 56 years old, a 6.04. <laughs> Jim Montgomery, the coach of the Boston Bruins, 53 years old, yeah. 6.57. So we're looking at a pretty big jump in a, yeah. a, a you know, a 0.5 of a jump. Like, I don't know. To me. Again, I, I don't like. There's nothing when I look at Peter Laviolette. There's nothing that makes me go, "Oh God, man!" Like there's, he's just an average-looking guy who's spent his life around hockey. The one that shocked me was Daryl Sutter <laughs> at <just> number two. <laughs> I literally what? have the list in front of me, and I was waiting for this. Yeah, and there's a few like we can touch on any that that jumped out at you or or whatever. But number two, Daryl Sutter, and that guy is a guy. To his credit, like he's a he's worked hard. He's got an NHL career. He was never afraid to take a stick in the face or whatever was going to go on. Then he goes home and works on the farm outside all summer. The guy has some miles on him, and you can see it. And somehow, I guess we what was his ranking? What did they or he was ranked number two? But what was his score? An eight point nine. He's got man an. By, he's by a very mind. even number, which. Like, uh, you go, uh, have you revealed number one yet? No, I, I go ahead. Jay Woodcroft. Yeah. The Edmonton Edmonton Oilers, Oilers. 48 years old, a 9.18. He's the only coach that's in the nines. Number two is Daryl Sutter. Yeah. Calgary Flames, age 64, 8.9. Something in the water in Alberta. Maybe. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, okay. And then I, there's a couple of funny names. Paul Maurice is number five. Yeah. Florida Panthers, 55, 8.62. I'm like, okay, Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus, number six. Yeah, it's like New okay, Winnipeg Jets. Uh. Yeah, and, and I, I think the big thing I want to laugh at is uh, just how I don't, I don't even mean to laugh, but this is not a very Ottawa friendly list. I was that was the first thing when I saw Lloydie <laughs> tweet this out. I had to reply. I'm like, man, Ottawa affiliations took a beating here. Luke Richardson, 18th, is like the highest I think Ottawa tie I could think of right off the top of Yeah, that's about where I checked into. DJ Smith was pretty low down at 28, I think, or 20. Yeah, Bruce Cassidy's Bruce 23. Cassidy. Uh, and again, Bruce Cassidy. 
I look at that guy. I go, that's not a terrible looking guy. Like he's just, yeah. uh, I don't know what what's. He barely edged out uh, DJ Smith. So Bruce Cassidy's twenty third. DJ Smith is twenty fourth. Uh, Bruce is a seven point five eight, and he has a seven point five four as DJ Smith. Um, Andre Torney, thirtieth. Uh, yeah. Rough. So rough on him, rough going. Which I don't know. You look at him and you look at John Hines. They've got a lot of commonalities here. And he's up. John Hines is up at like four. Yeah, it's like all he's right. He's got a weird like lizard stare though. When you're talking I, to John Hines, there's I don't, a lot. I don't about, have him at four. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to laugh at. And you know what? It is. I, I think it's, it's funny. Um, I look at. I looked it up, and it's, it looks like it's Adam uh, Vingan who had it from Sportsnet. Adam Vengen, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he put it out there, okay. I don't know if that was yeah, his Yeah, he's list. the one who, that's it. He's the one who I saw tweeted. I don't know who I think wrote that, it. That's the thing. He has just a picture of it. It's like, all right, why do you have a picture of this? Yeah. Did you do it? And if you didn't, why are you tweeting it? Right. So I'm curious to know who put this together. It is a good chuckle during the preseason right now. Yeah. I kind of would have liked this around the all-star break just for some fun. Well, Lloydie was dead on when he quote tweeted it and said, we badly need real games to start. Oh, we badly we do. Right? If we're at the point where we're ranking hottest NHL head coaches. We absolutely <laughs> do. And it's good for a laugh and you look at them and you can poke fun. And yeah. uh, I believe Bruce uh, Boudreaux was asked about it today at practice yep. and he just chuckled, right? Like I didn't yeah, even he see was the, the quote. He's the coach of the Vancouver Canucks and they said, you know, I, someone told him about it and he kind of cringed and went, oh no, like do I want to hear this? And the guy goes, no, there's good news. You're at 16, which is very middle of the pack. I don't know if that's good news. It's not bad news. Like, <laughs> like honestly, if someone comes and you go, I think you're average. And you're like, all right, like I can live with that, I guess. But he very much then said like, um, they, they asked, do you want to guess who finished first and last? And he goes, no, but I have my ideas who finished last. And so when they told him it was Laviolette, he goes, oh no, that's not who I would have, uh, would have said. So that's a natural cliffhanger. Like at that point, you want to come on, Boudreaux. Who do you think's the ugliest coach in the league? But he wouldn't bite, right? So, but I feel like that's the the best answer to give. Yeah, I have my idea. Who was it? Yeah, and no, then, you're right. And then you're not on the hook, right? You kind of can leave it hanging there, and and then there you go. You're going to leave it open for either interpretation or you might have to follow up another day and see if he'll give it to you. But <laughs> I, I, you know, it is it's it's funny that he was approached by it. With you know, that's the like I said, it's either right now or All Star Break. You release a list like yeah. that. And I think, like I said, it's it, like Lloydy said, you said, I'm so ready for some real hockey. You know, this is one of the best times of the year because, you know, we've already had college football going for, you know, a good couple weeks now. Yeah. NFL is back. Here comes the NHL, training camps, rookie baseball camps. Baseball playoffs on the verge. There it is. And I was going to say baseball playoffs. Uh, basketball is about to get going again, yep. too. So yep. it's like it, it's it's uh, one of my favorite times of the year is, like I said, fall for a horror movie season. But <laughs> it is when you get to this October and you have, well, here comes playoff baseball. Here comes everything else. Like I said, NFL is getting going and uh, I just love it. NHL is uh, pretty much facing off once October rolls around. It's it's fun. I love it. Uh, you didn't uh, you didn't really weigh in. What do you think of Daryl Sutter at two? Who, who do you got? Who would you have put at number one there, Bunda? Man, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. You go through and so Where should many. we put? Because it doesn't matter. I wouldn't have put him number one, I guess. But where, it, just for Leaf fans who are listening, was uh, Keith at eighteen or nineteen, something like that? I think he was in that neighborhood. Uh, just so we kind of, uh, yeah. Sure. Let me let me do a quick quick look to decide. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with this guy because it's kind of funny and he has the great name. But I'm gonna go with 
You know what? Rod the Bod. I was going to say, I thought Rod Brindamore, like he still looks like he could beat somebody's ass, right? Like he's. (laughs) And and I just love the old vintage stories of where they had to lock him out of the gym because (laughs) he would just keep going in there. And I love it. But um, I also, Lindy Ruff is at 17. Okay. Don't like that. Nah, that's too high for that guy. Sorry, Lindy. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't. I don't where like. Where is Keith in there? Do you see him? Uh, I think he was eighteen, maybe. Yeah, Keith, where are you? I can't. Oh no, thirteen. Yeah, a solid score of eight point nine. That's too high. Age of forty-two years old. Is he the youngest coach in the NHL? I believe so. Yeah, he is 42 Goes years old. Goes along with our youngest GM in the NHL, I guess, or guy who was. <laughs> yeah. That's too high for Keefe, though. That's, yeah, no, yeah. it's I don't uh, I don't hate it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's okay. There's, a, like I said, Bruce Boudreaux being at 16 ahead of guys like Luke Richardson and, yeah. you know, Todd McClellan, DJ Smith, Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, John Cooper. You know what? John Cooper John is Cooper, a Cooper, ha- same thing. I'm like, what are you doing down there? That's, yeah, uh, he's a 27. I don't know what's going on there. Man. He's an all right looking guy. Yeah, David Quinn. He's a top 10. David Quinn's got some nice hair on him. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of guys. I, I won't lie. I'd have to look up Jay Woodcroft again just to remember right. what he looks yeah. like. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how he hasn't bad been around is. long enough to, uh, to have the stress lines, I guess, start to appear in his forehead or whatever. Maybe yeah. that's the thing. I'll go Rod the Bod. Just because I think that's of the nickname. Yeah. He's no. the only head coach, I believe, that has a nickname, so I'm going to give it to him. I think that's uh, I think that's a fair call. If uh, you want me to go last, I'll say Lindy Ruff. <laughs> I might have had Daryl Sutter last. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They're only People, I like uh, I like Daryl. I do too, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough line for you and I to watch. So uh, we'll move it on to, uh, to one last subject I had for you here, and uh, we're entering – a really interesting month for the UFC as uh, I know you're just as excited as I am about uh, about the next one. I think it's UFC 280 and uh, I know you've got some devastating news that you might not actually be able to see the main event as it happens. We can get into that. Um, but there's talk that it's just about time to start thinking about Conor McGregor again. And a lot of hardcore UFC fans, and I think you might be one of them, I'll allow you to, to disagree if you want are kind of sick of hearing about it because this guy is a huge name. There is a ton of hype every time that he fights, but he hasn't been good for a while. I think he's won only one in his last like eight fights or something like that, but there is no question. He knows how to sell fights. And uh, so we saw on ESPN this week, a list of six possible return opponents uh, that might make sense for when Connor is ready to go. People will remember that uh, his last fight uh, he was with in there with uh, in a return fight against Dustin Poirier, and uh, you know, busted his his leg in half trying to kick him. Mm. Uh, so he's been out ever since. Um, before we get into a couple names on the list, are you interested at all in in seeing Connor come back and do this, or you just if you had enough? Yeah, see, I, I lie in a spot where I, I kind of always have with Connor um, when he's selling fights and when he's actively committed to fighting, mm-hmm. I got time for him. Right. When he's acting like a goon, punching guys in the head, that that's, that doesn't want to try your whiskey. The bus. Yeah, he's got about, I don't I don't I'd have to bring up his list of infractions over the years, <laughs> but it's been just about everything. And it's, it's, it's easy to make fun of, but this is a guy that when he was in the sport, he was the first double champ. He was an incredible athlete to watch. Mm-hmm. And I do want to see him be successful again. But I also 
don't really know how serious he is about it. And, you know, uh, you sent me that list. I, I, I took a quick look at it. I read a couple of the names. Don't disagree with a lot of it, but for me, I, I do want to see him fight again. And I want to see him compete at a high level because it's good for the UFC. Uh, they don't have a marketable in marketing yeah. star right now. They're starting to get a couple guys that are are, are that, especially um, more on the global side of it, especially when you see some guys um, so far, like look at Francis Ngannou right now, who's got all the hype. I think he needs to fight more. I know he's going through a knee injury after his last fight against Cyril Gaon. By the end of this month, Makachev yeah. might be... Yeah, all of a sudden, a huge name. Makachev right? is a guy that he's been climbing the ladder for sure. I think Charles Oliveira is a name to never discount as well because he's uh, definitely climbing the ranks. Omset Shemayev had a rough month, but uh, yeah, he's Kasma- an Kamaru Usman. Yeah, Kamaru Usman. I, I, I think that the, the Israel Adesanya was their biggest, um, their biggest option recently. Mm-hmm. That. I feel like they dropped the ball when he fought Jan Bokovic yep. and kind of looked very pedestrian in, in a fight where he they wanted to tri- kind of trot him up into that light well, heavyweight and, and just division. So we can set the table for people who aren't UFC, huge UFC fans. That was a move up yeah. fight, right? Izzy Adesanya was the middleweight champ. He was rolling everybody. He was dominating. And they said, why don't you move up to light heavyweight, fight Jan Blachowicz? And he said, okay, because he's a gamer and it would have been a good fight. It would sell uh, pay-per-views and he lost, which mm-hmm. isn't, you know, ridiculous. It's not out of the question. When you move up a weight class, sometimes that happens to you. But now your middleweight champ has a loss that he didn't need to have, right? Mm-hmm. And it took the shine off of him just a little bit, just so that people understand why that's a big deal, right? He's killing it in his own weight class. When you move up and fight someone heavier than you, yeah, you're probably going to lose. And now your champ has a, it just, lots of times you see it. Blahovich wasn't the guy, right? That wasn't worth doing. Sometimes you have big stars in both divisions and it makes sense to have the two champs fight each other. Mm-hmm. To me, Jan Blahovich, while a talented guy, wasn't anywhere near a big enough star for this to have made sense or to, to be a big enough fight. And then in his next fight, he goes out and loses the title too to, uh, to Shara, I believe. So the whole thing ends up being a disaster and people are taking losses that they didn't need to have. Well, and, and that's, I, I put the blame on both uh, Adesanya and I put it on the UFC because yeah, yeah. the UFC realized once John Jones vacated light heavyweight title that there's not a lot of hype in that division no. outside of him. He The reason he left is because he realized, you know what, there's nobody here for me. There's no star fights left for me. I'm moving up to heavyweight. John Jones, I mean, yeah. Yeah, sorry, John Jones. I don't know who I said, but yeah, John Jones, moving up to heavyweight, it's like, all right, there's so many more potential star fights. It's the, you know, it's, uh, for the UFC, it's your biggest title. Your heavyweight title is your, your heavyweights are your big boys, right? You bring them out and those are the guys. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to matter. And that division, I believe, is in that room right now. It, It is starting to kind of look the you know arrow pointing up and then yep. I don't know where there's rumors that we might see John Jones um, against Nganu. Uh no oh. um, uh, Stipe Miocic yeah, is I believe yeah, yeah. is a name that's been trotted out as a warm up fight because uh, we haven't seen uh, well one the injury to Francis Nganu but he kind of wants a fight in that heavyweight to get used yeah. to that weight because he has jumped up but I think that my big problem with this whole um, idea of trying to push Israel Adesanya into that stardom level was, you know what, this is a guy that just, he barely makes 185 and having him jump up, I believe he fought at 190. I think he barely got up to 193. Like, he walked into the weigh-ins eating a pizza. Yeah. It was, it was actually hilarious yeah. because 
Blahovich is trying his ass to bust, like bust down to get down, and Adesanya's like, I got room. Like, I, well, and, <laughs> I and, and, and it turned into a like almost like a disrespect to yeah. Bokovic because it's like this is a very talented fighter who fights at this division at this weight class at two hundred five, and meanwhile you're getting a guy that can barely even get up a bit more in his weight, and I think fought at like I said like one ninety something yeah. barely. Like he almost fought at his normal one eighty five. Yeah, and it's like you're you're forcing a guy to do this because. Because one, you wanted that hype around Israel Adesanya to be this double champ like you've seen from Conor McGregor. And it's a lot easier for the lightweights yeah. to jump up, you know, a 10 yes. pounds than a 15 to 20 pounds that you're getting into up in the higher and bigger weights. So that's that's my issue with all that. So when I see the UFC and I see where Conor is and what he used to do, and I don't think he'll ever be that guy, but I believe he's a guy that can get in the octagon. And if he really cares, you don't just lose that stuff. You don't just lose that ability to fight and pick apart your opponent and have that knockout power, but do you have that passion like right. he did when he had nothing in life and he talks about how he had nothing, he grew up on the streets and yada, 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 his so, sob story of how he got to a champion. Well, then he fought, he pretty much sold out for with May, uh, Money Mayweather in a boxing match, made $100 million, bought himself a friggin' Conor McGregor Lamborghini <laughs> boat and it's just like this guy has just been doing everything and anything but really fighting in the octagon and mainly getting in trouble out of the octagon and on the streets and doing whatever he's doing. And it's, it's like, you see his name come up and it's almost never about fighting and it's, it's annoying because he hasn't fought. And like you said, he has one win since I think 2017. Yeah. Then it's against Cowboy Cerrone, who, yeah, who was I don't think he's had a win since no. 2019 when he was here in Ottawa. So wow, there's a lot going on there. And it's for me, I want to see him fight again, but I want to see him take it seriously. And I want to see, him compete and that's what I want to see. If he's not, I could care less to watch Conor McGregor just be a goof. So there's a few names on the list there I know you have uh, on your phone, but there's a couple different ways of looking at it, right? Like it's not just Conor, but the guy on the other side of the octagon. And so the guy listed at number one is uh, at uh, at lightweight Charles Oliveira. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that Conor McGregor deserves a lightweight title fight. It's that Charles Oliveira deserves the money that comes with fighting Conor McGregor. So uh, Oliveira is about to fight uh, this month. And whether he wins or loses, the idea is sort of that maybe he should get McGregor because McGregor pay-per-views sell a lot, so you make a lot of money, and he's a guy who hasn't had a ton of opportunities to make big money. So whether he's the champ or not, you know, he deserves the Connor fight because he can make money off of it. Do you buy, do you buy into that at all? Is there any logic behind that? Uh, yes and no. Cause I, he's I, also just, sorry, I, I'm cut, but he, he's, uh, Oliver has also already cleaned out his division. There's no one else left for him to fight either. Right. So it would be, you know, uh, you know, just get paid is basically all this would be. Yeah. And for me, I look at this in a sense too, is, I also believe, and this was written by ESPN MMA reporter Mark Ramodi, and great guy, funny guy. I I actually look at this as he doesn't believe that Oliveira is going to beat Makachev, and I'm that's not why sure I believe it either. Um, I, and I don't know, but I, I do believe that Charles Oliveira is one of the most underrated fighters he in is. the UFC, and he doesn't get the love he deserves yeah. because you look at his record, and he has beat 
everybody. He's beaten Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, uh, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson. Like he's yep. he has and has he cleaned out his vision? He's cleaned out around the top five. I, I believe he's a guy that you can wait, tee up another fight. Someone's there. I don't think it's over for him, and and especially in a spot where this is a guy that has been around the UFC for so long. He's battled, so I see the side of give him that money fight. I don't know how much money extra he gets for fighting a guy like Conor McGregor. Well, but the main eventers get a big cut of the, the pay-per-view now, right? For, so. for sure, but they still don't get much more unless you get the big finish. So it, a lot of it is just an added bonus, yeah. but it, it, it isn't a huge much. I remember talking to Cowboy Cerrone when he was here in Ottawa about why he's been calling out Conor. He's like, well, you know, everyone's like, you want to fight him because of the payday. He's like, I don't get much more of a payday. It's a bit more, but not much more. Hmm. And it, it isn't, they're locked into these contracts. Yeah, the which, ESPN deal kind of locked it all into. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of these fighters, that's why they complain so much about fighter wages, because you get locked into these and some of them, you're not making much money and your only incentive is to have either knockout submission, fight of the night to get that extra 50 K on top of your, you know, fight check. So right. yeah. a lot of that is, it, it is what it is. But I, I think a Charles, Charles Oliveira versus Conor McGregor fight, not good. No, because I, I believe that Charles Oliveira will just clean his clothes. Oh, I do too. But at least Charles gets paid to do it. And and we For can sure. debate on uh, on how much. One of the other names in there, um, I think this is the one I like the most. I'd be curious to get your opinion, is Jorge Masvidal. And Jorge has sort of been cleaned out of the title picture for now. He's had his big fights. But he's a guy who could, who could talk with Connor, right? Mm-hmm. He can sell a fight. And that's what they... We've seen the UFC try and do this before. They would sell an entire pay-per-view on that. There probably wouldn't even be a title fight on that show, right? Connor would be the headliner that they would use uh, to sell pay-per-views. And Masvidal can match him there. And I think Masvidal, again, and and maybe all the guys on this list would, and we're not going to go through them all in detail, but I think Masvidal would also destroy Connor McGregor at this point in their careers. But the tee-up, right, the press conferences, the the selling of the pay-per-view, to me, this is sort of where Masvidal is right now. He doesn't deserve another title shot. He doesn't really deserve right now another number one contendership. But you could put the two of them kind of off to the side of the title picture. It could be its own thing, and it would be entertaining as hell to watch. I I, I think I like, out of anybody on that list, I think Masvidal is probably my favorite to, to see. <sighs> Well, he disagrees with me again. I like this, man. This is why you're here. Yeah, I honestly looked at it. It was the least appealing really? one. Really? Okay. It, I look at it in a sense of Masvidal hasn't done, and, and neither of these guys have done anything. That's what I'm saying, though. It, it is that aspect of, you know what, and not that Connor. You don't does have to it. fuck with a f- top five rating on anybody. These are just guys. Let For them, sure. Let them do it. For sure. And, and I get it. And I looked at that aspect of it, but there's just zero sexiness about it when I look at a guy like <laughs> Masvidal who hasn't really done anything in the last couple of years since, what, he won his BMF title against Nate Diaz yes. and a doctor stoppage when everyone knows Nate Diaz can fight even if he's got no eyes left. The guy's <laughs> just a monster. He's a zombie. He's he's crazy. Yeah. I don't love him, but you yeah. know what? The respect to him and his new future since he's left the UFC now, but I look at this as Masvidal is like this guy, you know, he just sucker punched uh, yeah, a bar Colby Covington yeah. out after he got his clock cleaned and he's got his clock cleaned a couple times by Kamara Usman. And it's like, you know what? Masvidal's whatever. Th- this would be a meh fight for me when I look at this list and I look at a couple names. Well, just before you hit the other names, I just want to say once more, that's the reason for me that it makes sense mm-hmm. is that Masvidal isn't in line for a title fight. You aren't forcing someone who should be doing bigger and more important things to come fight Connor. These are two guys who are sort of 
yeah, you know, just sort of out looking for whatever. And you could make money off of it, in in my opinion, even though neither of them are, you know, at this point, top end contenders. It would just be entertainment for the sake of entertainment. Who else you got there, man? You got the rest of the list and guys you like better. <sighs> yeah, so I think my f- I, I'm toss up between two of them. My favorite two, and like I like the Charles Oliveira aspect. That I I do think that's a a fight. Like you said, regardless of the title, it's good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that Oliveira is going to clean his clock. Like I said, I think yeah, that's I that's whatever. I like these two options here the most, and they're kind of my one A one B. I'll go with my one A first because it's the first one on the list. I like this aspect of him versus Patty Pimblett. Yeah, I like the fact that you could try it out. Like the is well described in this article, UK versus Ireland. You have an up and coming young guy that's feisty, loves the mic, he's fun. He can you talk get, with Pat uh, with Connor too. Yeah, you could talk. You could sell the fight. He's goofy. The guy puts on like fifty pounds and after a fight, he eats pizza <laughs> in his post fights. He's funny. He's goofy. Um, but you know what he does? He fights and he finishes. And you've watched a couple of his fights. Yep. The guy almost gets knocked out, and then he just turns around and then he loses a first round. He comes in and gets a submission win. Like this is a guy that just has that. That, that it factor in the UFC. And you know who used to have that? It was Conor McGregor. It's almost like a passing of the torch. If Conor wins this fight, it's like, okay, well, this guy is still too raw, but he still has a lot of hype. Okay, Conor might be okay. If it comes down to the wire and it's a close fight, everyone wins. And if Patty Pimblett wins, it's kind of like, you know what? This guy is ready for some prime time, and yep. this is your future star. Conor, you're pretty much non-existent anymore, which... I think everybody is okay with in the UFC. So I look at this fight as a potential, you know what? This is good for both sides because no matter what, it's a no loss for Patty Pimblett. And if it's Connor, okay, you've had your fight against the guy. Now you got to fight someone real. That's when I wouldn't mind a Charles Oliveira. I wouldn't mind somebody else. The other fight I liked a lot. Well, just a sec. I want to jump in on here. Yeah, Yeah, jump in here. Because I like that. And I know I forgot you're a big Patty Pimblett guy. And that one does make sense because he is a young up and comer, like Mm -hmm. you're saying. If he can go out and knock out or, or finish Conor McGregor, he's a made man now. He's a star. He turns the corner, right? Exactly. And and you could do big business. I don't know if the timing would work out, but they're talking about wanting to do uh, a Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman rematch mm-hmm. over in the UK or in Europe because uh, you know of of Edwards' appeal over there. Could you find a way to put Conor and Patty the Batty? on the same card and make that a big like stadium show, Dude, do Wembley or something. Right? That like, card would explode. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Explode. If you could make the timing work. Oh, I'd love that card. That'd Take be it. amazing. 1B, what's your other one? Uh, Justin Gaethje. Yeah. And I'm a huge Justin Gaethje guy too, yeah. but I believe he's been in kind of that, you know, you're floating around title shots and getting, you know, title shots, yep. but you're also kind of hanging around the top five, yeah. but you haven't really beat a lot. Of, like, like, look, look, he fought and beat Michael Chandler, but that was a slugfest of a great fight. Yes, it He has also lost to his two title fights in between that, which was Habib Nurmagomedov when he then retired right after, basically. Yep. And he also lost to Charles Oliveira, and both times he looked just outmatched. Yes, he did. And it's like you get to a point now where where like who is and what is Justin Gaethje? He's a guy that loves the slug. He's a guy that's not there that's going to take you down even though he's a friggin' all-world and champion wrestler. Yep. So, well, the way I look at it is what does he have to prove? Well, one I don't know if he's a guy that's always going to be there fighting for a championship, but I, I believe he's a top five guy that is a, I don't want to say a placeholder, but he's a guy that either can win, but or you could count on for a great fight, which is going to get the fans going. And those two, again, 
Justin Gaethje isn't afraid to get on the mic either and chirp and have some fun. No. So Connor and Justin Gaethje would be a, a great fight. Um, I don't really know who would have this upper hand. I'd give it to Gaethje I because he's still fighting, he's exactly. still training, and he's, he's doing everything. He has that power. He has a chin. We've seen he's got yes. the most ridiculous when chin of life. Kicks. He doesn't have any neck because he's been you know rear naked choked by Habib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> he's lost to Charles Oliveira. Like this guy's been tapping. But I, I also have always liked him. I think he puts on a great fight. But I think for both of them, it's kind of a no lose, no win situation because either one of them is kind of going to be sitting looking for that next fight, and it's like, okay, well, for Justin Gaethje, I don't know how much he moves up after beating Charles, uh, beating Connor, Connor McGregor, yeah. and if Connor McGregor, same thing, if he beats a guy like Justin Gaethje, it's like, okay, well, you just took out a top five, now you're ready for a title shot, whoever that title champion may be, whether it's Makachev, whether it's Oliveira, whoever. Then, if like I get the beef of not wanting to give him the title shot right off the top, mm-hmm. so I think this is a great fight for both of those guys. If you really want um, Conor McGregor to get back into that light heavyweight, but the other thing too we've seen and well, just the- if I could respond to that one too before sure. we move on, yeah, yeah. I like this one in the same way that I like the Masvidal fight. Now Gaethje is better at this point in his career than Masvidal, and he's t- but he's sort of like you said he's had his title shots, he hasn't won them. And he's beaten some other guys. So you could kind of take this and move it off to the side. He can do the Connor thing. And if he beats him, then maybe, yeah, he gets another Mm -hmm. shot at a number one contendership fight or a a title fight or something. Connor has come in. And if he wins, he's beaten somebody who's Mm -hmm. still around that top five. And and they're guys who can, um, you know, who can talk and who can sell a fight. And I like in a very pro wrestling way where you're trying to tell a story, Mm -hmm. Connor coming off the broken leg versus Gaethje's leg kicks. That's a fascinating matchup to me I, I think that could go really um you know that could be really interesting in in a few different ways but to me it's just sort of a uh it's sort of away from the title picture similar to Masvidal where you're like I don't know what to do with this guy next does he get another number one contendership fight does he get another title fight who does he I, I kind of like the Connor versus Gaethje in the same way I like Connor versus Masvidal. Yeah, because I think you could trot both of them out to another fight after that where it's not a title fight, or you can give them both a title fight if you want after that, and it doesn't matter. Masvidal, my only issue is then Connor has to stick to this, um, well, not stick to, but then, you know, and he's put on lots of weight. I do find it was interesting. I think Aaron Bronstetter has put out there, out of all the UFC eligible fighters right now in the last couple of years. He's the only fighter, I believe, on the list that has not been uh, tested by USADA. Connor. Yeah. Wow. And That's if you weird. look at his pictures, the guy's jacked. Yes. He's right there for the welterweight division. But, yep. I, you know, and I'm not here to conspiracy theory or anything, but, um, you know, him fighting Masvidal would mean he has to go back up to welterweight, which yep. I believe is what he fought. Um, uh, sorry, Cowboy. Yeah, uh, they kind of had that catch. Or you weight. could catch all somehow. Yeah, yeah. I think they catch weighted that one, but um, I, I'm in a spot where for me and like I said, Masvidal. I just I don't know. I'm kind of sick of him. I have no interest in Jorge Masvidal, and so when I look at that, I'm like, all right, I could see the appeal. To, but then is he going to stick in that welterweight division, Connor, or is he going to go back to the lightweight? I look at him as a lightweight. That's where he had a lot of his success. Yeah. So that's where, like I said, I, I I can. I just don't think they're that worried about it. In terms of sure, him yeah. becoming a title contender and winning belts again and whatever, I think at this point, he's a prize fighter, right? He's just mm-hmm. come in, sell some pay-per-views, make some money, and then if it's at welterweight this time and at you know lightweight the next time, and I don't know that they really care anymore because I don't think that they see 
Connor ever becoming as good as he once was and, and becoming a legit champion. He is a name now who comes in and fight, sure. at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, and I, I, I agree with that aspect of it. My, my other aspect of it is your, your MMA fans and your, your street fans are going to look at it as, Oh, you're just giving him Jorge Masvidal. Like I, like I yeah, said, if, yeah. if if you're just kind of feeding him to uh, Jorge Masvidal, and it's like I don't know who would win this fight. Neither guy has really been well, appealing. That's, a, that's the part that's interesting to me because I don't think Connor's just going to come in and smash him. I I, I, I think Connor against I don't either, any of the but, names that we just ran down, Connor might be the underdog against all of them, for sure. And and that's where like you look at it. Like I, the only one I think you might give him maybe the upper hand to would be I think there was the uh, the last option on that list is an unnamed or untit- like an unranked or whoever yeah. I can't remember what it was I don't have the list exactly in front of me right now but it was a non non a non title holding uh yeah. opponent and it's like okay who, but who and that's where like I said I look at a guy like Gaethje and that's that matchup you, you want all day I'd watch that yeah and I think you look at Masvidal it's like nah you know what like is is he going to become a welterweight and if you're just trying about to be a prize fighter, it's like how much uh, how much more can you do this? Because I think if you don't give him a fight where he has an opportunity to win, which is uh, like I said, you look at Gaethje. I still think no matter what, he's a huge underdog. But yeah. a slugfest is a slugfest. Yes. Right? Look at Leon Edwards versus Kamaru Usman. Yeah. Right. That all it took was one dang shot. Get tagged. And, yep. and he got tagged by a leg kick, but it took that one leg kick after that first round of him taking down Kamar Usman, but then his clock was clean for the next second, third, fourth round. And, and then it just takes that one, that, that one chance in crazy. fighting. And I don't want to say that Jorge Masvidal doesn't have that kind of power, but I just, if he gets, if Conor McGregor gets knocked out by a guy like Jorge Masvidal, you're looking at, all right, Conor McGregor, who are you really going to yeah, fight? Over. You're going to really just go fight. Nate, like, and people are, I'm sure if you're listening to the pod and you care this much about Conor McGregor, how do you not say Nate Diaz? Well, Nate, Nate Diaz isn't in the UFC anymore. I believe that Connor is has one foot out the door of the UFC, and he has an interest in somewhat fighting uh, Money Mayweather, which I think is how this list got started. Is Mayweather is trying to fight him, yep. and he says, "I'm not interested. I'm going back to the UFC." Okay, prove it, Connor. Well, he's, un- going but he's to under the contract. UFC. He has to go to the UFC first. Yeah, it's... but I, but I just want to see Connor prove it. Yep. I think that's my biggest thing. Is uh, and like I don't want to be a Connor defender here. Is but like I said, I do like him. I like the way he he kind of sells the fights. I like those those guys. I've always liked the guys that can get on a mic and he can throw knockouts. Cody Garbrandt. You know, Shaw, yeah. Sugar Sean O'Malley, <laughs> these guys like uh, Patty Pamela, like these are the guys that I enjoy fighting because it's good for the sport. Mm-hmm. It brings people that aren't huge fans in. And I think uh, Connor versus Patty Pimblett is like, I'd say I'd be my 1A. Yeah. And then Justin Gaethje would be my 1B because I believe Connor and him, one can sell, two can sell a fight. But it's also a banger where if one of these guys get crazy, it's like, you know what? I don't think either of these guys' careers are over. I think if he loses to Masvidal, it's like, who do you really trot him out against next? It's like you can't even do Dustin Poirier again, even though they're talking about wanting to do a yeah. rematch down the road because of his leg breaking. I don't really think Connor is anywhere near the same level as Poirier. No, so not. I, you he's know not. what I mean? That's keep him away from that because you're kind of making him irrelevant. And I think every time he loses, you make him less, even more and more and yeah. more and more and more irrelevant. It's like let's keep him in this relevant, but also give them fights, but also put it into a, a, an aspect where you give them matchups. Dana White and these fight ma- uh, matchmakers, they love that. They love putting big boys that can throw. and well, that's, that's the thing that I think too many people don't understand is the UFC will always choose the money over the, the, the yeah. right fight, right? If there's somebody sitting there who doesn't really sell anything, but he's, a, you know, he's a you know, because he's not a big talker, he's not a big personality, but he's fourth ranked, and maybe he's the next guy who should have a title fight. But Connor's sitting there because he just whatever, just, he just beat Masvidal or 
uh, or Pimlet or something like that, they will give it to Connor because Connor will sell tickets and sell mm-hmm. it, the the sport for better or worse. And and I have time for the purists who don't like it. It's about making money. It's mm-hmm. not about making the best fight every time and this guy's earned it every time. They will talk like it is, but they will always this is the guy that will make us the most money this month when we do it. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll do. Absolutely. That's what they'll do. And, it's about and, making money. Yeah, and, and making money and I think that's it's a huge it's a, you're bringing up a great point and I think the other way though to look at it in making money is Having one of those slobber knocker fights. Yeah. You have a one-sided where Connor breaks his leg or he, <laughs> you know, he shoulder knockouts, uh, got cowboy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are the fights that everybody hates because you hype up for it. And then you're just left there with a, a terrible fight ending early. And it's like, what did I really just pay to watch? Yes. And I'm sure the UFC doesn't care, Don't but you want people money. talking about it. You want people excited about it. Like I said, a Patty Pimblett versus a guy like uh, Conor McGregor, you know, they don't really have either, either guy is kind of in their own. I mean, Patty Pimblett apparently has to cut 50 pounds, but <laughs> either way, he's, uh, he's a guy that, uh, I can in, relate to that. Yeah. I should I mean, cut 52 if I could. Can you imagine cutting 50 every couple months just to <laughs> no, fight? Like, jeez, what a wild thing. Yeah. But I just, I look at it in a sense where, um, the one unappealing thing for me is the the welterweight division for Connor. I don't I don't know. I don't really see him as a welterweight. Stick to your lightweight. Um, get there, and I don't. I'm I'm curious to see him back in the octagon. This won't be. I don't believe until probably around this time next year, early maybe a couple months earlier. He's still coming back from the yeah. broken leg. Yeah, early uh, summer. I think Diaz is now out of the UFC, so I don't know what he's up to. But rumors are he's starting his own uh, fighting league and whatever he's doing. But I I go fight Jake Paul, isn't he? Yeah, Anderson Silva. Yeah, there's a bunch of things. Yeah, your favorites. Yeah, coming up next month, that's going to be well, whatever. Somebody will watch it. It won't be me. I don't even remember what's up next month. Anderson Silva. Oh yeah, and Jake Paul in a boxing match. I can't wait for that one. I hope uh, Silva just knocks him the fuck out, and we can be done with this. But yeah, I used to care a lot about Anderson Silva until he started failing drug tests. Yeah, I ruined his record for me, and then went downhill. But Jake Paul keeps fighting these guys who are long retired and uh, whatever. It's I'm, I'm just sort of over it. So if a 47-year-old Anderson <laughs> Silva could knock him out, I'll take it. True. Uh, I guess we'll start to wind this one down here, man. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, hit us again with the uh, the Twitter and the IG handles. and Because uh, we're going to do – we're going to try anyway – uh, before no, UFC we're doing 280. We're, we're doing it. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get Creech <laughs> to join us. I'm not avoiding it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. We'll get Creech in here to join us. We'll do the UFC 280 preview. This is one of the most stacked cards uh, that we've seen in a while. So we're not going to go down that road today. We'll wait. We'll do that in a couple of weeks before that card. Uh, like I said, we'll try and get Creech in here to, uh, to join us for that. But uh, where can people find you right now, man? Steve Bunda 91 on Twitter and Instagram, baby. Right on. Appreciate it as always, man. Glad you came in. Always, uh, Always appreciate your time. Always appreciate your uh, your expertise. Yeah. Well, once again, thanks for having me. And I'm sorry to disappoint the Matt Tolkien audio fans in the lobby that were waiting for some <laughs> big guest like Chris Hoffley or Michaela Schreider, anybody else. I let them down once again, and they all just jumped in their limousines and. But Bunda's away. got the stone cold vibe. He comes through the lobby with the fingers up, the double guns, and the. I uh, think I drove a Zamboni in here <laughs> yeah, too, exactly, and spray man. down all the uh, paparazzis <laughs> with a uh, beer truck. So love it. Cheers, Matt. We'll get out of here on that note for. Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson. We will catch you all next time on Tall Can Audio. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you.